Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune on this holiday weekend. Hi, Ben. Hey, Andrew. Happy Thanksgiving, or happy Black Friday, I guess, by the time we're doing this. Yes, happy Thanksgiving slash Black Friday and to all of you guys out there listening. Thank you for, for joining us once again and however you're celebrating this. Um, we hope that um, you guys are staying safe and, and obviously, um, you know, staying, keeping attention, I should say, on this four and six Vikings team, which it's hard to at these kinds of times when they lose to a team like the Cowboys. But hey, we got Teddy Bridgewater coming to town. We got some storylines from this Vikings Panthers game, including whether or not Adam Thielen's going to be able to play. Um, ben, this is the first time. Now we've seen Teddy come back because he came back with the Saints as a backup, but this is the first time Teddy's coming back to be a starter and play against Mike Zimmer and his defense. And I guess we should probably start with the head coach and the quarterback. Um, <laughs> just kind of describe their relationship. And I guess you wrote about it for the paper on Thursday for the Thanksgiving Day paper and, and kind of how did that relationship form over only what was it 40 some months yeah it's it's interesting how the, the terms in which he gets talked about as a former player i mean think back to a couple of weeks ago when everson griffin a guy that mike zimmer probably worked with and certainly worked with longer and you could argue worked with more directly kind of gets the yeah he was a good player thing <laughs> and, and then teddy it's a completely different approach. I mean, there's a different way that people talk about Teddy, teammates, coaches, fans, than just about anybody else. And I think a lot of that is Teddy. A lot of that is the the type of person he is and, and was here and the impact he made, you know, off the field, probably certainly as much as on the field. But yeah, it goes back to, you know, that first draft when they came in, they knew they needed a quarterback. So they went on this long search and they decided through the course of that spring that Bridgewater was their guy. And some of that was, I think, how he fit in the offense at the time. Um, they, they felt like he was going to be a good fit for what they wanted to do. But a lot of it, I think, for Mike Zimmer was just this, and you heard it again today when Adam Zimmer and Andre Patterson talk about him, this this feeling they had. And I remember Mike Zimmer saying it the night they drafted him, that he's a winner, that everywhere he goes, he's won. He got all the Louisville kids or all the Miami kids to come to Louisville with him. He won in high school. There was this thing about the way he carried himself and the way that he went about it that Mike Zimmer just grabbed onto. And I think it was interesting even today that Adam Zimmer kind of joked about he was telling his dad, I think you love Teddy more than me the way you talk about him. I mean, you know, he's kidding. There's a kernel of truth in, in all things. But I don't <laughs> I think Mike Zimmer likes Teddy Bridgewater a lot. And, probably would say he loves Teddy Bridgewater, certainly not like his son, but I think he he certainly holds Teddy Bridgewater in very high esteem among players that he's coached, and it's interesting to to think back on that, because you and I were both there the day that he got hurt, and we remember the feeling of this sort of cataclysmic shift in what was happening with this team, where they were on the way up, they thought they had this young quarterback, they were ready to make a run, moving into a new stadium, and then his knee blows out and they're bringing in an ambulance and all this stuff. The the fact that he got hurt in that manner was surprising and seismic enough. But when you, you look back on it, it's interesting to think about 
how much different it might be if that had not happened in terms of the people that would be here, the people that would not be here. Uh, it's hard to know for sure. But a lot of the story I wrote for Thanksgiving Day started with that premise of, say it never happened. And what would this look like? Would he still be the guy? And how would this team look if that was the case? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about kind of, as you said, kind of franchise-altering, course-altering kind of situation there. Because, Teddy, we've all talked about the 2016 preseason game at U.S. Bank Stadium where he looks like the kind of quarterback that they all thought they were getting, the kind of commanding, mobile, um, throwing with anticipation and accuracy, um, all those things that he did. Better throw downfield more, I remember from that game. He had a couple to Charles Johnson, I think. Yeah, I think Kyle Rudolph caught his last touchdown for the Vikings in that game, um, in a game, I should say, um, before that that practice. And it's a guy that they talk about his comeback, and it's interesting because, Ben, we knew at the time in 2000, um, obviously, was it whatever your cousins, 2018, we knew yeah. at the time they wanted to move on from from Teddy because they weren't sure about his, his future. Um, Teddy certainly could sense that because you could tell he was – a little disenfranchised with the franchise. Um, and I don't think we knew, though, quite just how much the Vikings thought he wasn't going to make it because, in terms of his football career. Because Zimmer comes back and says, we looked at it, and there were only a couple cases of this. Mm-hmm. Like a basketball player who played after two years, and then that's it. And for Teddy, I think Zimmer said, for Teddy to make it after 16 months um, was just remarkable. Well, yeah, and it was – I remember when Zimmer said it, he talked about how the medical people weren't as optimistic as he was about how this was all going to go. And, you know, some people make decisions based on different things. And you wonder if, if it had been Zimmer's call completely, if he would have said, you know, pulled the Han Solo and say, never tell me the odds. This is my guy. I'm going with him. And I believe in him. I, you know, I, I think in a perfect world, he would have wanted Teddy. So, it's interesting to think back on it because you have to make those decisions certainly on some level of how much risk you're willing to tolerate. And they decided that they weren't going to do it. They didn't think that Teddy was going to be able to hold up long-term. And I suppose you you still can't look back at that and say, well, they made the wrong decision because he's playing. I mean, he's, he's started 16 games since he left Minnesota. So you can't, look at the body of work and say, well, he's proven that he can hold up for another hundred starts or something like that. We're not there. I mean, it certainly is impressive that he's made it as far as he has, given where it was when he's driving away in an ambulance talking about you might lose the bottom of your leg. So it's remarkable that he is where he is. I don't know that you can say with 100% certainty, oh, they made the wrong decision by not believing that he'd make it back. But um I, I do think that if Mike Zimmer was making the decision purely on his gut, that it's possible it would have gone a different way. I do find it interesting, too, that Andre Patterson, the, the co-defensive coordinator, makes he makes it a point to point out that like his time with Drew Brees, the Saints offense, he said specifically with Brees' ability to get the ball out quick, he just thinks that that time around a Hall of Fame quarterback really helped Teddy. And, yep. of course, Teddy's not going to get that if he stays here, and he's the guy the entire time. And I'm not saying that's why Teddy's all of a sudden come back from this injury and is a, is a good starter. It's just he's clearly benefited from moving around um, and kind of 
coming through that adversity and kind of being a better quarterback for it. So he's not exactly the same guy he was or would have developed into um, here. No, he's not. I was just looking this up, and he's getting rid of the ball on average about a half second quicker than he ever did when he was here. I, that's a couple of things. I, I think that's time around Breeze. Now, Breeze was a guy that the Vikings compared Teddy to when they drafted him because North Turner, of course, had drafted Drew Breeze in San Diego. So they saw some of those similarities as it was, um, probably both because neither one of them is the biggest guy or has the strongest arm. And I, I think some of it was that too. But Teddy learned, I think, how to play with his way of doing things in that system. And, and Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator in Carolina, of course, was at LSU before that and had kind of developed some working relationships with the Saints, just being around. I, I think their coaches got talking a lot. So there, there was some crossover in some of the things that they wanted to do. But Joe Brady is running a system that spreads things out a lot more than the Vikings ever did gets the ball out of Teddy's hands faster than the Vikings ever did. I mean, if you remember, Norv Turner was calling seven-step drops, and that that last game, uh, really, that well, I suppose it would have been the last game that Teddy lost before the Blair Walsh playoff game. But the, the one in Arizona on Thursday night, he has that play at the end of the game where he's trying to hit a deep crosser, I think, to Jarius Wright or Kyle Rudolph, to keep the drive alive and, and the blindside pressure comes off and he gets sacked and, and Teddy, as much as Teddy would ever say it, kind of said, I, this play call gave me no options. And then Zimmer just comes out and says, I didn't like the play call. So um, it's, it's interesting to just go back and think about that because the offense that Teddy's in now is quite a bit different. I think that fits his skill set more effectively. And, and a lot of that is getting the ball out and that's going to make things a little tougher for the Vikings, I think on Sunday. And I think North Turner came out and said the play call was fine. There's yes. nothing wrong with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He got asked about, cause I, I remember asking Teddy after that game, did you have the ability to check out of that? And he just goes, I did not have that option or something. I mean, very tersely said it. And then Norm got asked about it the next day or the next week or something. And, he said, it's a good play call. There's no reason to check out of it. And like, well, he gave up a strip sack and lost the game. So maybe the call was fine, but it didn't work. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Just remember when there was, you know, offensive dysfunction, it seemed like a yearly thing. And the Vikings, I guess they still have their fair share of it here and there, but it's nowhere near at least North Turner quitting midseason. Um, After Teddy's knee blew out that same year. After it, yeah, and you talk about things not changing and people who still might be here. Yeah, may, not saying North would for sure still be here five years later, but you never know. Or four years. Yeah, later. the uh, the butterfly effect of that day of August thirtieth, twenty sixteen, is profound. I mean, there's a lot that. I mean, does Teddy take them on the run in twenty seventeen to the NFC title game? You know, does does that season go the same way? It, it's. I mean, sixteen they were five and zero, and then things fell apart after that, but. Uh, they thought they had a Super Bowl team that year. So um, there, there's a lot of interesting sort of through-the-looking-glass things you can do uh, if that day never happens. Now, there are people that have studied that injury, and I alluded to it in my story, and I think somebody asked about it. Um, and we got a question emailed to us about that, about Teddy, in terms of that injury. And I've said it a couple times about people thinking that that was going to happen at some point or another, that it was just a matter of time. And there are people that have looked at him and said the way his mechanics were set up, that it was going to happen sooner or later. So when I say that, that's what I mean, is that people that have studied him felt like he was 
carrying his legs in his drop back in a way that was putting force on his knee that it was going to give out at some point or another. So he has worked – if you look at his drop back now, it looks different than it did when he was here. He's worked on changing some of those things, I think, to make it more sustainable. So um, lots of different things for him and certainly for the franchise. But it it's a fascinating subplot for a game with of, you know, between two teams that have four wins in November. It was interesting to hear how highly, at least today, hearing from the defensive coaches, how highly they think of him. And obviously the defensive coaches were the ones who have been around here longer. Gary Kubiak wasn't here in Minnesota with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but Andre Patterson and Adam Zimmer calling him a winner and just saying this kid is somebody who can go out there and it doesn't matter what level of football. It sounds like a cliche to just say, like, that guy is a winner. But they were basically saying Teddy Bridgewater is clutch. They were, um, which I thought was interesting. Um now, they were not asked specifically about the current quarterback, Kirk Cousins, about whether they think he is clutch, and they're not going to say, no, we don't think he is. I mean, they're going to say, of course we think he is. Um, it was interesting, though, to hear both of them kind of stress that point. I, I, I'm not necessarily the one to sit here and say, well, they were trying to throw shade at, at Cousins. It, it, I mean, you could take it that way. I don't know if that's what they were doing but it's it's just interesting it's you know these things you file away i guess hey we're adam zimmer responds to that question by saying yeah we've got because i think the question was something along the lines of um does teddy bridgewater have that kind of it factor when it comes to like two minute drills and, and yeah. kind of end, game of ending end of game situation does he kind of have that you know what they call i guess clutch gene or whatever and Adam Zimmer started his response by saying, yeah, we see it all the time with Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers in our division. That would have been the perfect place to say, we see it all the time with Kirk Cousins, but you can't say that because we don't. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and which has been a, a thing that we've talked about a little bit this week. You know, got into it Monday morning, and then um, a fair number of the Cousins defenders don't like it, um, you know, saying, hey, that, that – game at the end was not his fault it was not his fault i i agree it was not his fault they lost the game but when you have an opportunity to go steal one of those every once in a while it helps a lot if you're able to do it and i think i mean you going back and watching that i mean certainly the drop on second down but on third and fourth down it looked to me on third down like he had an opening there to jefferson on a crossing around i think he had rudolph as well and um you know i i think the fourth down was a tough throw I think that he would have had anywhere to go, but he also held it and, and tried to kind of get away from pressure rather than letting the ball go and giving Thielen a chance in a one-on-one there. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, well, when you're looking at Sunday's game, I think Kirk is going to have the easier matchups for this Vikings team. I think the Panthers' defense fresh off. I know they just shut out the Detroit Lions, but before that it was 500-some yards, 40-some points to the Panthers – or to the Buccaneers, excuse me. It was not a good situation for them. And so the Vikings, I think Dalvin Cook can run wild. So, Ben, to me, it's going to come down to Teddy Bridgewater when he's on the field. I think it's going to come down to how the Vikings' defense fares against them. And if you're stuck on, on the field and it's two minutes to go and you're only up by three points and you've got to stop them again, how do you feel about trying to stop DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, Curtis, Curtis Samuel, Samuel, Mike Davis, all these guys that have been putting up for them? Um, I don't know, Ben. I just think when I – after that three-game win streak against the NFC North, when you looked at these next three games, I thought the Panthers game was the most likely to kind of trap them, as it were. And it, they obviously already lost, but 
Um, I still think this game is one that they could kind of stumble in at least. I do too. Um, I would be more of that mindset if they had Christian McCaffrey, which it doesn't sound like they're going to, despite them kind of still trying to hold the door open. I, I don't think McCaffrey's going to play. Um, but yeah, that receiving group is, is talented. I mean, Robbie Anderson is a downfield guy and Samuel's been running after cat, been more of the run after the catch guy. Um, is DJ Moore, they've hit some things downfield with as well. So, and Mike Davis has, has certainly filled in admirably for McCaffrey. It's not, he's not the same guy. I mean, nobody's in Christian McCaffrey quite in the same sense, but, um, they have a lot of weapons that could make things difficult. So, yeah, it's, it's one that will put some stress, I think, on the secondary. And yeah, I certainly agree with you that when you looked at it initially, this was one that could be a tough challenge for them. Well, and the Vikings too, it's not like they're getting, you know, any major reinforcements back. These are the guys they're stuck with. It's, it's mm-hmm. we're probably going to see more Cameron Dantzler as opposed to Chris Jones on Sunday. I would, I would hope if you're the Vikings. Um, we're probably going to continue to see then it be Jeff Gladney, Cameron Dantzler, and then the third cornerback could be Chris Boyd potentially, and that could be kind of the, the three that they lean on. But that's it because Mike Hughes with that neck injury, Holton Hill with the foot injury, there's no indications they're coming back, and there's no indications that, frankly, they've been much help when they were healthy and on the field. So, um, And they're going to play a lot of nickel. The Panthers spent a lot of time with three-plus receivers on the field. So you're not going to have a lot of three linebacker sets on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of three corners trying to defend in shotgun runs. I mean, Zimmer talked about that today too, about the number of shotgun runs they like to they like to use. They have Bridgewater in the shotgun most of the time, which, and if you're in nickel personnel quite a bit, that means your corners are going to have to tackle, which, um, you know, Chris Jones, here's your opportunity to uh, atone for last week or you may not get many more if he's on the field at all on Sunday. Yeah, if he ends up playing that much. So this is just going to be another tough test for them. It's it's going to be a lot easier the following week against Jacksonville after going yep. up against the Cowboys and the Panthers' skill players here in back-to-back weeks. But um, it'll be very interesting to see how they fare because this is such an up-and-down team. Like You could see them going out there and playing fairly well because we've seen them put together stretches of games where they've done it. It's just then you see stretches of games like the Cowboys where they just get torched and they make stupid decisions and it's or it's a veteran being out of place. It's just it's one thing here or there that they can't find that consistency and and it all goes back to their youth because even when it's Harrison Smith getting out of out of his own way to go after um, somebody I think it was C.D. Lamb on the, on yeah, the, pre- the, the pre snap yeah the pre snap motion before the game losing touchdown um, he's trying to cover for Jeff Gladney and that's one of those situations where. You know, he probably doesn't feel he needs to do that if there's a more veteran corner there he trusts to get over there in time. And and Jeff maybe could have made it over there in time. He's just – I think Harrison kind of made the decision for him, like right as the ball was snapped. And so I just – I don't know how they're going to play. It's such a coin flip every weekend to imagine how the secondary is going to fare. Well, and you think back to the Seahawks game, and I bring it up in the sense that the, the game-winning touchdown on that was a similar setup that was crossing routes to try to put – corners in conflict it was basically can you get through the traffic can you figure out who you were supposed to go with or you know are you going to pass things off stay on your side of the field the Seahawks I think ran that when they had to have that play on fourth down to win the game in part because they knew it was going to stress a young secondary that may 
have difficulty figuring out its coverage rules on the fly and figuring out how to get through the the trash, so to speak, in the middle of the field when everything's tight in the red zone. You know, the Cowboys went to the same thing. It was, let's try to have C.D. Lamb motioning across, and then they, they leaked Dalton Schultz out. Same issue of let's stress these corners and see if they know how to handle their coverage assignments. And you remember the end of that? That game in Seattle where the cameras caught Harrison Smith telling Cameron Dantzler to cover his effing guy. And and you wonder how much that's in the back of his mind saying, nope, we're not doing this again. I'm going to go make the decision for you, and I'm going to go deal with this. But then the problem you run into is that Gladney still went with him and didn't make it all the way over, and then there was nobody to cover Dalton Schultz. Yeah, and Andy Dalton makes that read, and it's just yeah, it's one of those things where it's kind of a compounding problem for them. Yeah, and there's there's no real kind of just oh we'll just fix it with this simple tweak this week. It's no, it's you're going to have youth and the ebbs and flows of it every single play um, for every week, and this is a tough offense to kind of face. I know they're they're kind of middling in terms of their overall points and yardage. The Panthers are um, they don't always finish drives, but they have the fewest three and outs of any team in the NFL right now. They have this I think second longest time of possession per drive. Um, they just sustain drives and keep offenses off the field. And so if you come again into a situation, I think Adam Zimmer said it best um, today when talking about defending two-minute drills. Sometimes we just have to keep them off the field and not even get put in that situation yeah. to not get beat because some of these guys are so good. And they spoke of Teddy Bridgewater as if he's that kind of guy. Yeah, and it was it's interesting because some of these games they've blown with defensive stands or the inability to get one in the last couple of minutes, they've had chances to run the clock out. And it wasn't just the drive that we're talking about when Cousins got the ball back and they didn't do anything after the Cowboys had scored. They had a chance on the drive before that to go into four-minute offense and you know basically let the air out of the ball. I mean, get enough first downs that you have to make them run the timeouts, and the game's over that way. So it's been partially missed opportunities to do that. And the reason they are where they are is – the inability to finish some of those games. I mean, they, you know, we've talked about they could have beat the Titans, they could have beat the Seahawks. Well, yes, they could have, and you could say probably should have, but then you lose to the Falcons and the Cowboys, and these are the things that young teams do. I mean, the, the difference in this league is, and we've you said it a minute ago, is consistency. It's You see these moments where they look good, but the thing that separates good teams from the mediocre teams is not that they don't have the talent because everybody in this league is fairly talented and the gap is not very big. It's the question of can you do it every single play, every single week, rather than just these flashes of, well, they look like they could be pretty good. It's We get into this week-to-week thing of trying to project, you know, what this game means and what it tells us. And you know, it's part of the, the rhythm of the season. It's part of the job, especially in a time where, we all consume so much of this stuff and try to parse through so much of it for deeper meaning, but it's hard to do with one game because they are so all over the map. And it's why it makes it difficult where they are to say, yeah, they can go on a run one five or six in a row because that's a long stretch of consistency. And the uncertainty continues because the Vikings aren't going to know if they have receiver Adam Thielen available. He's on the COVID list since Monday. He's going to need to um, pass, or I should say, test negative a couple times to clear and get ready. And Ben, that can go up until kickoff, which is what Mike Zimmer said today, Friday of this week, and saying that we're just going to have to see kind of how these test results turn up. So how do you think they're going to fare if they don't have Adam? And 
I guess just my opinion, I think it's a little overlooked because you see Justin Jefferson and people go, oh, they're, they're going to be fine. Well, they have Justin Jefferson, but then he's going to get all the attention, I would think, because um, you don't really have anybody behind Justin Jefferson. I mean, Chad Beebe's been the third receiver all year, and you take Adam Thielen out of the mix. For a quarterback that doesn't like to expand his list of targets very much, I mean, he's he throws to three guys that he trusts, and then you, the targets drop off quite a bit from there. It's been Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook with a smattering of red zone targets to Kyle Rudolph, but he doesn't throw to a lot of other guys. So if you take Adam Thielen out of the mix, especially in the red zone, I I think it hurts them quite a bit. Um, I You know, Cousins has gone to Thielen when he – is in a pinch all season. And, and you, even though he trusts Jefferson, I think you see it when there's moments that he needs a play, he's looking for Adam Thielen. So yeah, if you don't have him, I, I think it's a big loss and yes, Jefferson gets the chances and yes, he will have opportunities for big plays against this defense, but he's going to get more of the coverage rolled his way. And I don't quite know who steps into that complimentary role and, starts to make some plays. Yeah, because there's a trickle-down effect too, right? Because, I mean, you've got you've got safeties kind of playing over the top of Adam and Justin, and oftentimes yep. if it's a passing down, they're able to back them up and kind of get away from Dalvin Cook and, and try to cover those two guys. And if you've only got Justin, you know, that's going to – then maybe they're going to be able to designate a second threat on the Vikings offense and be like, all right, now we can allocate our resources to cover that guy even better. So – there's just going to be kind of that trickle down effect for them. And yeah, who is it? Is it, it's, it's not Tajay Sharp because that guy hasn't been active in weeks. Yeah. Um, Chad Beebe, BC Johnson, are there, are there main receivers who have contributed as the number three guys? They're probably not going to have Irv Smith. <laughs> yeah. With Irv Smith dealing with now multiple injuries and them trying to rest him so he can get right. Um, is yeah. So I think Kyle Rudolph could have a busy day just kind of catching these four yard button hooks over the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of that. And maybe they get the running backs more involved. I think what they've got is a stable of running backs behind Dalvin Cook that are decent receivers. So if they do, whether it's Alexander Madison, Amir Abdullah, they've got guys who can step in and do that. And so I think you could see those guys contribute more as well. And then they like to get, whether it's Conklin, C.J. Ham, this could be one of those days, Ben, where we look at the stat sheet and it's like 10 different guys caught a pass because nobody's really featured outside of Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, you may have to do it that way. If you don't have Thielen, that may be the case. I I think it's – I'm not ready to say that Thielen's not going to play. I, I think there's – from what I've heard this week, I think there's a decent chance that he does. But, you know, the testing is going to tell the tale. So um, I, I think he's still got a chance just based on where I think things are. But, yeah, if you don't have him, I think it's – Pretty fundamental change to the way you operate on offense. Well, in general, the Vikings, and it's, it's a credit to kind of how they're running things, but they've been pretty fortunate, too, with not having too many disruptive cases, positive cases, or quarantines that have in- impacted them. If you're just looking at football perspective, obviously you're fortunate everybody's healthy, but you haven't seen um, a player of Thielen's caliber get, get kind of test positive or get quarantined because he's a close contact, because it's been guys like, their long snapper, their rookie, a rookie corner, um, linebacker Todd Davis, um, 
it hasn't been guys that have been super impactful for the team. So, because then you look at the Ravens and the Steelers and they might not even get the game off this weekend because of these cases that are just kind of ravaging some parts of the country and now parts of locker rooms. So um, I guess the Vikings are fortunate, but it's, it's still not a good situation for them to have to deal with, nor for anybody in the country to have to deal with. Um, all right, Ben, well, we should, we could wrap this podcast up. Is there anything else we should get to before we go? I mean, just that it's, I get, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond because you look at last week and there were a lot of issues raised with a lot of different facets of the team, special teams, uh, defensive play at the end of the game, um, it, some penalties on offense in a couple different spots. I mean, there, there was a lot in that game that contributed to why they lost. And it it's one of those where are they going to make a stand or is the set of issues we've seen going to come back? And if it does, that's probably it. I mean, maybe they add an eighth playoff team and you can get in an eight and eight, but you really can't afford to lose any more to have a serious shot at this thing. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to be playing for a lot of pride in these last six games. And um, I don't think there's many people uh, who want that more than Mike Zimmer at this point (laughs) to kind of show that, this team isn't the team that lost to the Cowboys or the Falcons, and this defense isn't the one that um, right now is giving up the 24th most explosive passing plays in the NFL. They haven't ranked worse than 10th in any of Mike Zimmer's yeah. years, and they're 24th. Like, I understand the corners are bad, but you're supposed to have the best safety tandem in football, and it's just been really bad right now. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think specifically when you talk about taking a stand, I, I want to see how this secondary and, and this defense kind of responds, especially after how they played against the Cowboys. Thanks, thanks for checking out this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. You guys can check out all of our work at StarTribune.com, and we will talk to you on Sunday. Maybe you should get off the podcast.